Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Welcome to or welcome back to Gardening Naturally. Um, I'm going to jump into a conversation that I was having last hour. Uh, a gentleman, uh, Brett, wanted to know how to graft some apples and how the grafting process worked when you have all these different kinds of rootstocks for apples. Apples are probably one of the most grafted, most worked on fruit trees that we have. They have all kinds of rootstocks that change, whether it's a dwarf or a full-size apple, whether it's cold tolerant, whether it can manage our soils, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there's a couple of places where you can learn a lot more about this. You can go to Facebook and there is a place called Texas Fruiting Plant Growers. Texas Rare Fruit Growers is what it used to be called. The Texas Fruiting Plant Growers has a Facebook group where they talk about, here's this type of rootstock and what it would go to and how you do it, that's a great choice. That's a great choice to learn what you need to do in terms of the scion, the the rootstock, best ways to graft them, et cetera, et cetera. Another source is the... Uh, Austin Organic Gardeners. Now, they've got a um, video on their uh, Facebook page, Austin Organic Gardeners, about a grafting workshop and scion exchange, which is basically you may have a particular type of fruit and somebody else may have a different type of rootstock. And you make an exchange to see what kind of plant you can come up with. So there are two very good sources. Try the Facebook page for Texas Fruiting Plant Growers and the Austin Organic Gardeners, and they had a workshop of uh, grafting and scion exchange. That's a good way to get a start on to get a start on how to graft why what you do for it etc um got a text message what was the name of the white clover that i don't recommend uh it's sometimes called dutch clover it's white um it will it will work. It's just not as effective because of our weather. Um, the crimson clover is more adapted to our environment, but you can use the Dutch white clover. Let's see. And I get a... 
Ooh, your lantana. Okay, um, the rain has made my lantana turn almost solid yellow. Uh, I have so many blooms on it that you almost can't see any green. And it was solely the rain. Getting the powdery mildew on it, and the leaves are starting to look poorly on your lantana with no blooms, you could have a bug called a lantana lacewing bug. They're miniature vampires. They suck juices out of the plant. Uh, they leave bad spots on the plant. They are just not a good thing for your lantana. Go out there and pull up a couple of leaves and look at the back side of the leaf, the underneath. If you see a lot of dark spots, that's probably the lace bug. Lace bug and lantanas, they go together. That happens in the hot weather. So what you can do is cut the plant back a little. Maybe you remove a third of it. And then you want to spray it late in the day, not in the hot full sun, but late in the day with a horticultural oil. Top and bottom, get it good and wet. Do this once a week may be enough, especially if you cut off the bad first. But you may have to do it twice a week. This will kill the bug that gives, and this will give the plant an opportunity to make a comeback. There is plenty of time left for lantana. So they're worth the effort right now. They're still worth, worth excuse me, the effort uh, to go and clean them up, and they should still be able to produce a bloom. Actually, a lot of blooms. I'm looking at ones that I can't believe how big the plant themselves are and how many flowers they have showing on them. This rain was exactly what they needed. Uh, let's see. What else did I get in a text? Oh, yeah, Joby. Um, the question is, some aloe vera was inside getting morning sun but moved them outside and boy, the sun burned them out and they looked bleached out. It was, it was too much for them. Aloe vera really is a plant that uh, wants a lot of shade, basically. You can get it some sun, but full sun is a bit much. A bright area is one thing, a full sun area is too much. Will it recover? Sometimes it will. Sometimes it will. It will look terrible. It will look all worn out. It'll turn nasty colors. It'll even get slimy in some cases. But it should recover. You can cut off the, the nasty stuff. Um, and once you get the light balance right, I think you'll see that it'll start to come 
come back. It needs bright, but not full sun. That is just too much for it in many cases. So move it, get it somewhere where maybe a little morning sun and the rest of the day's in the shade, and it should come back. If you're um, going outside today, please be careful. There is going to be just unbelievable heat today. It's just, can't believe it's going to get this hot. 101, and heat index will make it feel like 105 or more. So be prepared. Still take cautions. Your best bet is if you can have some patience. We said it before. I know I could be lying again. This should be our last hundreds. We have such a good chance for rain this evening, more rain tomorrow, and then much cooler temperatures, especially nighttime lows, will be so much better. So a little patience, folks, just a little bit of patience. We have some more bad weather to deal with yet. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, still hot today. But we stand a good chance for rain. That's something better chance than we've had in quite a while. It may be quite as severe and rain tomorrow. They had mentioned flash flood as a possibility. So that's something we need to pay attention to. Now, when you do that, We're going to have this rain that's really going to bring our plants around. And that rainwater is going to soak, and that's going to be one of the first things that we need and the first things we'll use to start rebuilding our turf. These high temperatures, this lack of rain, this drought scenario, has killed off most of the soil biology. They need water just like everybody else to stay alive. And what's happened is with this super dry, super dry environment, well, they've died and we need them to do the nutrient transfers to uh, get the food in the soil into the plant. Without them, we have terrible soil. It's all these little critters that give you the tilt of your soil, that make it crumbly, that make it hold water or drain well or just grow well in. So we're waiting for this rain to come. 
to help get us going again. A uh, question about can you start uh, fertilizing now that it's cooler? I don't think you need to be in a hurry. You, uh, If your plants need the fertilizer, it's a little hot yet. But by next weekend, it should be good. Uh, cooler temperatures for sure. And more rain. The two things that we really need, the change in temperature and uh, the change in temperature and the water. Boy, we need the water so bad. Now, is there anything you can do? Yes. One of the things you can start looking at is one of the things you can start looking at is considering things like seaweed, molasses, uh, Medina Soil Activator, products like that, start working those into the soil, right? Start working them into the soil because they're going to provide food for all those little critters. And once we get some water, it should soak in nice and deep, um, nice and deep to really get in there and start building that soil back up again. So that is something new. That is something that you can do right now. The rain's coming, you want to go out there and spray, it'll work just fine. Uh, you want to give them a, a, a chance? You want to be able to let the soil build back up. This is the minimum impact again, minimum labor that you need right now. We don't, we don't have to go out there and trim stuff right now. We definitely don't need to make our first action, oh, let's get them some fertilizer. No, let's build up that soil. That is just as effective. That is actually going to be more beneficial than running out there and throwing some fertilizer out. We took such a beating. Food is not the first thing these plants need. Try the things like seaweed solution or the Medina soil activator. Those things add to the soil. You know, the nice thing is you can get a hose-in sprayer. That is the minimum amount of labor that you can get by with. A simple hose-in sprayer and spraying the soil, spraying on top of your grass turf, uh, just get it into the soil so that 
We start to get that water back. We start to put uh, all of the products I mentioned have carbohydrates in them. Fancy word for sugars. And those are foods for all of those critters. Um, I got a text from someone, thank you, Phil, um, who said he happened to be in the Lowe's big box store. And he found a display for LED grow lights, $20. And you can daisy chain up to four of them together. So they are starting to become the common answer as opposed to the old big fluorescent tubes. You can now get the full spectrum grow light for 19.98 it says on the display. That's uh that's a good deal. And you can daisy chain them together. You can get a lot of light for a lot of light for a low price and it won't go bad and it won't overheat. Uh, someone has texted me, they wanna know about Pluots. If you go to a grocery store, uh, a Pluot is across between a plum and an apricot. That's technically not supposed to happen. Thank Luther Burbank for that. He came up with these. So uh, a pluot at the grocery store. Can you eat the pluot and plant the pit and grow a tree? Yes, but I have no guarantee that the tree will do well because of it being on its normal natural root stock. We usually have a different root stock for plums and peaches and things like that because we have nematodes in our soil. We have such poor soil. We have such hot conditions. You may be able to start one of the pits in like a, a decent sized container, let it get started, pot it up once or twice till it gets to be a decent sized tree, and then you can try it in the ground to see if you can get actual pluots. You can buy them from some nurseries. They can order them for you, but they're not real common here yet because we don't have enough faith in the varieties we've got to be able to handle Texas. So, sure, try one from the store. You may wind up with a beautiful tree. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're coming to the bottom of the hour. I need a break for the news. I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. 
This is um, this is John. Good morning, John. What can I help you with? Morning, Mr. Ferris. How are you doing today? Uh, tired of the heat. I hear you. Hey, I have a quick question. Uh, and the reason I ask you this question is because I know you've been in the industry for quite some time. You've been in Austin for quite some time. Um, I've been in, I've been alive for 35 years and I haven't quite been through the drought that we've been through personally. Um, I own a landscaping business and I've suffered greatly this year. The question I have, and you may not have an answer is when I go by city buildings, it seems like their grass is real nice and lush and green. Um, and I, I tend to see a lot of watering issues. Um, they are kind of our go-to people as far as rules and regulations. Why, in your opinion, do you think uh, they often tend to break those rules themselves? Believe it or not, they, they get different rules than we do. Commercial property watering rules are different than residential watering rules. Okay. Uh, I don't make that up. I, I don't get to decide that. But that is something that is true. Number two, I know that in my city, Round Rock, there is a, a coordinator for water issues like this. If I drive by a building and it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon and they're watering their property on what should not be their watering day, I call her. And they will um, send somebody out or they will contact the business. They tend to have this reason that I don't agree on that they have to adjust their sprinklers. They have to check and make sure they work. I understand your frustration because I have it too. I don't get why some places, they get to be water hogs, basically. And there are plenty of, you know, there's a couple of um, developments up here in Round Rock that are about as xeric as you can get lots of native landscaping that doesn't require a great deal of water. I wish I had an answer. I, I really well, wish I had an answer. I just don't, I, I just don't know how to address it. The one thing that really concerned me, and this actually sparked the phone call, I believe two weeks ago on uh, during the day on the, on the, uh, on the show during the day is somebody drove by the state Capitol and they were watering at 1230 in the afternoon. Uh, and there's no beneficial need for that. It's, it's wasting water. And you're not getting any positive results from that, um, possibly even negative from the, from the burn of the sun. Um, I just, I just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It really boils my blood, to be honest with you. I got it. And, you know, you can... Depending on where you are in this watershed and depending under what authority you are, which mud, which water district, whatever, you can get around the whole thing by just drilling your own damn well. Sure. Yes, sir. And, and several, a few years, a few years ago, 
it was a stink because several politicians were like, nah, I'm just going to drill my own well. All you other people follow these rules. I'll, I'll get around them. So, yes, I have several customers that water three or four times a week because they're on well waters and no regulations. So it's unfortunate. They don't realize that we're still using the Ed- Edwards Aquifer source. We're still using water sources. Even if you have a well, it's not magical water. It doesn't regrow. Right. So, Well, what the big deal is, is it's not regulated water. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's, that's so. what they're complaining about is they should... There's water, and I should get to use it, period. Well, unfortunately, it will be heavily, heavily regulated once that well water runs out. So yep. <laughs> hopefully that never happens. Yep. But Yeah, and all they you, have sir. to do I is pre- have one, one season where their well runs dry. That exactly. Gets their and they attention. have to drill deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until they don't hit water. Thank yep. you, Mr. Ferris. I appreciate your call. I listen to you every weekend. Thank you. Thanks, John. I appreciate the call, and trust me, I have the same frustrations that you do. I wish I had an answer for. Let's go. Uh, let's go to the phone. This is Cal. Cal, what can I help you with? Uh, good morning, Jeff. Uh, good talking to you. I, I love your show. I got to tell you that. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I'd sent you a. Uh, I sent you some photos of some scat that I found on my eggplant. Uh, I've got my eggplant all protected behind a fence, and I thought maybe it was a big animal. Um, and uh, no, uh, it turns out it's a big caterpillar. A big caterpillar. Okay, because I looked for caterpillars. I mean, it's huge. I thought it was rats from the size of what got left it. behind. And okay. Well, I have a question. You said this mm-hmm. is on eggplant. This is on eggplant. Yes, yes, indeed. Okay. I've never seen you that before. To- but I guess the animals You'll are starving. You'll need to look, <laughs> and it'll be difficult to see because they're camouflaged. You probably mm. have one of the hornworm-type caterpillars on your plant. There's more than just one variety. There's the classic green and white tomato hornworm. There are brown ones. There's one that's almost purple. Look really close and try to look at both ends of the day. First thing in the morning, last thing before the sun goes down. They get real big. They're called sphinx caterpillars. They get real big. And that scat, you bet that you start going, I don't want to encounter this guy in a dark alley because he gets to be so large. Okay, this sounds like a BT would do the job, right? That would be a good start. Here's the problem with this. BT is super effective when the caterpillars are really young and small. For Mm. one that is this big, um, he can kind of, he may wind up being able to form a chrysalis or cocoon before the BT is able to kill him. Okay, and he has to be big. He's, he it looks like whole leaves, entire leaves are gone. Yep. A couple every night. Yep, that, okay. Yeah, and uh, underside of the leaf, he will line up with the stem. So he kind of fades in and looks like part of the stem. There is something you can try. 
Um, many of the sphinx-type caterpillars, the hornworms, glow in the dark. Seriously. If you have a oh. black light and you could shine it in there, you may get lucky and see the glow that will come from it. Okay. It helps you. Yeah, it helps you narrow it down and it helps you find them. It's kind of creepy when you see one glowing in the dark, but it's their tell. You can chase them down easier. Guess what, Jeff? I just found him. Like you Got said, it. he's green. He's under a leaf. He is huge. He's about two and a half inches long and a half inch in diameter, and he's got a little horn on the back. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And okay. he's probably close to becoming a chrysalis. So yeah. he should start feeding less and less. But he also, you need to squish his little head. <laughs> yeah, well, does he have brothers <laughs> that I need to look for too? Do they come in batches, these guys? Not necessarily, but that is never a bad thing to look for. I have had okay. really bad infected tomatoes where I've had two or three on the same tomato. Um, mm -hmm. So while you're there, now you know what to look for. Now you know where to find them. Yep. I would try okay. to hunt them down. Okay. One, one, one quick question about eggplant. I've <laughs> had almost none of the blooms set for a couple of months. With the weather cooling off, is it going to be like tomatoes? Are they going to start setting and making fruit? I would really hope so. You could try by applying a little um, seaweed, either foliar spray or a drench every couple of okay. weeks to helping give them the nutrients they need to actually set the fruit and carry it through till uh, maturity. Okay, I've got that at hand. Thank you, Jeff. You bet. Enjoy yep, plucking off caterpillars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks for the call, Bob. Uh, Carl. Uh, folks, uh, Bob, Matt, I see you there. I need to take a break. I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, we were lucky to be able to track down that caterpillar attacking the, yep, attacking the, um, eggplant, tomatoes, eggplants, and peppers are in the same family. That means they tend to share the same pests. So he actually found the answer because he recognized, Cal recognized the scat, fancy word for caterpillar poop. It stood out and the size of it told him, that was a big caterpillar. So those are just observations you make to try to control the pests. Let's go to the phone. This is Bob. Bob, what can I help you with? so much so it would get a better appearance and it worked. It looks really much better now. Thank you. The second thing, um, 
I have about 50 square feet of uh, Asiatic jasmine that I have cut off at ground level to replace, uh, you know, put, uh, uh, you know, St. Augustine grass over the top of it. But the roots are still there, and they go pretty deep, much deeper than I thought. So I'm wondering, do I need to kill them in some fashion, or will they just not grow because I put, uh, uh, you know, pieces of uh, St. Augustine sod on top of it? Probably, uh, <clears throat> the sod probably is not going to stop the roots from producing Asiatic jasmine coming up. What you can do before you put the St. Augustine down, and it's not a particularly great period of time to do it anyway, um, is why don't you solarize the area? Solarizing it will kill those roots. And we got nothing going on till spring anyway. It's not like you need to cover it right this right this minute. That's not probably necessary. But if you solarize it, you will get those roots not to come up because they won't get any sun. If they try to, they're going to come up under black plastic and it'll be super hot soil and things like that. That's one way you could get rid of them without using any chemicals. And if you're just patient enough, next spring, when it would be a good time to put down new sod, you pull up the black plastic, you rake the soil a little bit to get the dead stuff out of it, down goes the sod. Okay, for those of us who are not familiar with the term solarizing, explain oh, this, Oh, sorry. Sure. Okay. Solarizing is the process of covering the soil with a non-permeable cover. In other words, you put down a plastic material where uh, water, stuff like that, can't get through it. And the sun, the normal process, you've created a greenhouse. And you use the benefit of the greenhouse effect to heat the soil. And if you use black plastic, you can use clear or black, but if you use black plastic, the black plastic prevents any light from getting to the plant. So even if you cut all the tops of the plants off, the roots are going to try to grow, but when they grow up, they're not going to get any light. They're instantly going to be covered by black, and they'll wind up dying. You don't have to do any particular work other than you've cut everything flush to the ground. You want to water the soil well so there's good soil moisture. And then you want to cover it with the black plastic. You want no gaps, no holes. And if you can, you want to seal down the edges. You can use soil. You can use rocks, landscape timbers, anything you want. You want kind of a tight seal over the ground so it will build up heat and it will make a, a dark seal to prevent anything from growing because they won't get sun. Next spring, normally you would do this for six to eight weeks, but we're not really in a hurry 
implanting sod in the winter, the sod's going to be dormant anyway. So why don't you just leave it go through till February or March when the weather is better? Pull up the plastic, rake to get all the dead material out, and then put down the new sod. No chemicals needed, uh, not a huge amount of labor, um, and it really doesn't look ugly to put the plastic down. If you want, you can put mulch on top of it. doesn't take much, just enough to cover it so people can't see that it's a big sheet of plastic. Okay. For uh, some of us who may be a little more impatient, is there a chemical? I know you're not really strong on using chemicals, and I understand that, but is there something that I could put on now that would, uh, what, uh, I guess, expedite the process of killing the root? Um, you've got a weird situation here. Yes, you could use Roundup. The problem is, Roundup gets sprayed on the leaves, so you really need to get some of the leaves to come back to be able to spray the plant so it will take up the chemical to kill it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I should have asked this question before I cut off the top of the jasmine, but uh, I didn't, so here we are. <laughs> yeah. So give it two weeks, and you will get enough leaf back that, You'll be able to spray, and they'll be able to take it up. Okay. Well, I appreciate your expertise. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call, Bob. Um, let's go to the phone. What have we got time? I try to go quick here. Matt, what can I help you with? I've got my leggy tomato transplants, and I'm going to put them in the ground. And they're about 18 to 18 inches long. The bottom six or seven, eight inches is pretty stocky, but that leggy part, because they've been under the lights, is it, would it be a bad thing if I cut off maybe the top six inches? Because I'm going to have to dig a two-foot hole. To, they're so tall. Um, you, you can do that. That way you can get them planted nice and deep. A trick Good. you can use when you're planting a really tall tomato. Don't yes. dig a hole, dig a trench. Oh, so you lay the tomato down and at the very tip, you can start to bend it up, cover everything with soil and you'll get all those extra roots and the tomato will start growing straight up again. Okay. Well, since I'm going to put a cage around them, uh, that's kind of a, well, I could wait, do it later on the cage cause I'd be little, but I could cut yeah. off the six or eight inches of the spindly top and it wouldn't be a big deal, right? No, it should produce new shoots for you on the top on its own. Okay. If I just dig one, one hole and uh, to, to, that's what I was saying I'm doing because they're so leggy. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call, Matt. Uh, Gary, we got to talk fast. What can I help you with? Yeah, Jeff, I just heard you talking to somebody about uh, planting sod, and I was getting ready to plant it at the end of uh, October, so you do not recommend that? I should wait until uh, no, the spring? No, you can, you can do it at the end of October, assuming that the weather's going to be better. You just have to remember you're going to have to provide it moisture for the roots to take and understand that the grass 
may go dormant on you. So you may be planting brown sod, but it should come up and turn green for you in the spring. You can do it at the end of October. Uh, Gary, I am out of time. Thank you for the call, folks. This is Gardening Naturally. I'll talk to you next Saturday at 9.